right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. We had a nice little uh, three-week hiatus there after our last episode from uh, concluding from the Super Bowl there, so it was nice to kind of hit the reset button a little bit and spend some time at home and, I guess, do whatever else we had to do in three weeks' time there. But uh, we're recording episode number 42 here for our Wednesday, March 9th episode, and we're going to be looking at free agency and kind of making our our best guesses on where everybody's going to be lining up in a little bit of a matchmaker that Zach made for, for myself and Armin. So uh, before we get started into the episode here, we'll say hello to the fellas and then we'll, we'll get this, uh, we'll get this thing rocking and rolling. So uh, we'll throw it to Armin first. Armin, how was your, uh, how was your three week little hiatus there? Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, I've been so cold all winter here in uh, PA and well, all over Saskatchewan and finally, warming up a little bit and doing some stuff outside going cross-country skiing I was gonna hit little red and go uh snowboarding there as well and just to enjoy the outdoors a little bit more here um yeah it's uh been a lot nicer outside and I can't wait to do more outside activities now that we don't have uh the risk of frostbite after just being outside well, yeah, and with the amount of snow, I think we got there too, that uh, you could probably go snowboarding until just about the middle of April. I'd probably make a good guess there. It's, it's just never ending seconds. snow here, I guess. I don't know. Zach, did you guys get that much snow as we did? Yeah, absolutely. We got, uh, got quite a bit of snow there on Friday and then um, just yeah, overnight into Saturday, it just kept on coming down. Um, and then a little bit again, uh, this afternoon actually um so yeah it's been been quite a bit of weather but it's been yeah. it's been really warm the past couple of days which has been nice so shy of shy of shoveling what else did you do on your little bit of a break there oh it's it's that time of year again been spending a lot of time on the cell phone uh cruising through twitter keeping up to date on all the uh reckless speculation um <laughs> leading through the nfl combine and now a week away from the start of the legal tampering, which I'm sure has been going on <laughs> since like Thanksgiving. Just like the legal gambling we're going to get to in a little bit here too, I think. Absolutely. Oh man. Um, so before we get started here, just a little, uh, kind of a neat little tidbit. It is to the day today that we are recording, I believe, that we recorded our very first episode, Armin. Uh, we recorded it on... It was it March the 7th? And we dropped it on March 8th last year, if I remember correctly. If I have my numbers right. But I have we're we're hitting our one-year anniversary of dropping the pod, which seems extremely bizarre. I went back and watched that first episode and I was like, oh man, A, we were real nervous, and B, that was a long episode. And C, oh man, we figured it out as we went. I think that's for sure. But it's hard to hard to believe it's been one full year. So um we're real happy to have that first season under our belt. And now, well, we're hitting round two here. And obviously we got Zach on board partway through last year. So it's been awesome. So happy anniversary, I guess, of the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast here. <laughs> yeah, if you're uh, just joining this ride now, uh, you don't have to go back and look at our greatest hits if you don't want to. And just uh, start listening now and listen while we uh, got a bit more polish, I guess. Maybe just go in and look at the hot takes we had last year because I think we hit all of them. <laughs> or, or you can just take our word for it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, we'll, we'll hit up a little bit of insiders and headliners here before we get into it. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with how we run our off season, uh, we do do it every, uh, every two weeks, not like in season where we have it every week. So we'll be recording and dropping this one on the Wednesday, March the 9th, and then we won't have another one for two weeks following. Uh, in this, we have the insiders and headliners. We go through some of the news and notes. Then we have a keep trade cut segment where Armin deciphers between three players of equivalent value on who you'd like to keep cut and trade. And then we kind of talk about that for a little bit and kind of give him our two cents or what we think there. Then we have our off season segment, which is kind of our meat and potatoes of the episode, something kind of fun. Lots of times it's like a game show type event or some sort of analytical uh, work. And then at the end we have ice cold hot takes, which we are slightly tweaking this year instead of all three going every episode, we're going to have one spicy take and then the other two kind of get to throw their two cents in on what they think of that take. So uh, insiders and headliners is our, is kind of like our news, what's going around in the league. And uh, I tipped that a little bit there in the intros. This one just happened. I dropped on our plates at about three o'clock here on Monday and Calvin Ridley, uh, who has been a really hot trade target, I think for a lot of people in dynasty leagues and a lot of, uh, a lot of chatter around where he might end up this off season, the same thing, kind of a trade, um, a trade target in the NFL, I would say too. Uh, but he has now been suspended for the entirety of the 2022 season and potentially even longer based on what they may find from investigations. Uh, but he was gambling on games in the 2021 season when he was taking time off uh, for mental health. So um, not, I mean, if I was his lawyer, I'd be putting my head through the wall because immediately after the suspension came out, he was tweeting saying, yeah, I only, I only bet 1500 bucks and yeah, I bet on my own team and, the tweets weren't helping the cause there by any sort of stretch of the imagination, but this is a tough one. And I, and I think I'm going to throw it to Zach first. Cause I, for one of two reasons, a, you have him on your dynasty squad and B new England was one of the primary trade targets or landing spots, I guess, for him. So how's this one hitting for you here at three o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I, when I got the news on, on my phone, the students had just left for the day and I was excited had a great day um really good behavior in the room things are looking up and i had to sit down and i'm sure i looked like my dog ran away or something because <laughs> my first thought was or rather all afternoon i was thinking okay so the pats cut kyle van noy freed up about five million in cap space they gotta be angling for for uh a signing or something coming down the pipe, maybe a trade for Ridley. And uh, sure enough, I see Calvin Ridley on the bleacher report thing on my phone. And I'm like, this is it. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> it's suspended for the entire 2020 league year. I was like, Oh my goodness. So yeah, not, not quite the Calvin Ridley news you wanted to hear uh, here today. Yeah, certainly not. So um, I think it hurt more almost for, uh, my Pats fandom. I was really hoping that the Pats would land him. Um, he's definitely, or what I thought would be the number one uh, X receiver that I think the Patriots are in desperate need of. Um, but that's clearly not going to happen, at least not this year. Um, fantasy wise, I think it made my life a little bit easier. Actually, it may have uh, signaled that it's time to blow that team up and uh, sell, sell, sell. Hey, 
I offered you a trade for him about a week earlier. So I'm really happy that one didn't go through, but I'll, I'll be there to pick up the pieces. If you're going to blow that little bad boy up. As just, Calvin Ridley's still, still on the market. Hey, that's what I think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much this time. Oh man. I, um, I was talking to a coworker right after and I was thinking like, man, I, uh, I actually almost got him in a trade like four days ago. And I was like, oh, if that would have happened, that'd have been an absolute nightmare. But at least like last year was the speculation. He's going to come back. At least, you know, for the full year, you're not getting him. I guess. I mean, glass half full kind of guy over here, maybe, but that's, uh, I, I imagine you're not the only person there, Zach, that's either owned him or maybe went out and traded for him this offseason because he was a, a hot, hot commodity that people wanted to pick up because the speculations were that a, he was coming back and B he was going to get traded to a big team that wants him. So I mean, I imagine there's a lot of people out there that put themselves into that position. Uh, this one is a tough one. I mean, it's a little bit on the minor news, I would say, but I've been holding on to him in my big dynasty league ever since we drafted him. Uh, David Njoku, I was really excited for him to potentially leave the Cleveland Browns and land somewhere that uh, he's going to be able to share a higher target uh, percentage or maybe a team that's going to utilize the tight end position. Um but unfortunately, it was released today that the Cleveland Browns are using their franchise tag on David Njoku. Uh, they were the very first team to put out that, uh, I guess, fantasy relevant franchise tag. We're going to see a couple here in the next couple of days. And, uh, but this one, I don't know, is this, is this impact any of your guys' team or, wh or what's the perspective? I know Cleveland does run a double tight set, but they have, I think, three tight ends on their active roster at this point that are what maybe be fantasy worthy. You know, uh... I, I think Najoku is the best talent though of, of them. He's has the most upside. He's the most athletic of them. Now I know Hooper's there too, and they paid big money for him. And um, so I think it's not the worst though for him because OBJ is gone. And after OBJ left, I think um, I wasn't watching him too closely, but Jordan, you said you had him on your league. Didn't his numbers kind of go up after OBJ left? A little bit. Jarvis Landry's target share went up a little bit, um, but then they had to go down. Well, I mean, I, I I would speculate that a lot of the do was with Baker's shoulder injury, so it was a lot of checkdowns, but uh, his number share did go up. Yeah, and that might be one thing that you might look at uh, – if Cleveland doesn't target another wide receiver in the free agency here, maybe we see Najoku actually break out in Cleveland. It's not the end of the world. There's worse scenarios that could have happened to him, um, but um, it's not either the best one either. It's kind of like a, a neutral, like uh, could have been better, but at least it's not uh, not the worst. Yeah, at least he's still on a team, but at least centers tight, double tight sets and targets the tight end position in the red zone a ton like yeah. i like um oh shoot his name's escaping me here uh he was drafted last year two years ago he like i think he had like 20 targets all season and i think 14 of them were in the red zone <laughs> for the browns yeah harrison harrison bryant, harrison bryant. yeah yeah like just does not get targeted until he gets in the red zone and just vultures all of those Cleveland touchdowns. But um, yeah, a little bit smaller news, but continue on the tight end train here too. Another one that fell on our laps uh, late this afternoon was uh, Jack Doyle, the former tight end of the Indianapolis Colts retired after nine seasons in the NFL. Now this one I'm going to throw out there as a tidbit and you guys can tell me if you're going to shut it down or not. Are you going and actively trying to pick up Moali Cox now this off season? If, you're, if your dynasty team is – if your dynasty is still going through waivers, 
it's probably not going to cost you much. Is that a name that's kind of uh, maybe get a little bit of interest or a little bit of buzz in there? I am going to say uh, hold your horses because uh, as far as I am aware of, Mulally Cox is currently or going to be a free agent uh, this offseason. Uh, so the only uh, surefire returning tight end on that roster, as far as I know, is Kylan Grace Granson. Uh, he was a rookie this year, fourth round draft pick, 127th overall. Um, he's a super freak athlete out of SMU down in Texas. Uh, he profiled really well at the uh, senior bowl, and then he did pretty well at the scouting combine, if I remember correctly. Um, the Colts also have a decent chunk of change. They are one, two, three, four, fifth in the league in cap space. Uh, going into the off season. So um, not to give away uh, the free agent segment, but I wouldn't be shocked if they were uh, at least interested in some of those bigger names that are soon to be free agents. Yeah. Very possible. That would have been a nice little lying spot for Njoku if he didn't get franchise tagged, I think, but yeah, I'll have to wait, kind of wait and see on that one. There's, there's some other pieces of news and stuff that's been released last little bit, especially, and but I would call them speculation type pieces, you know, like we're looking at the Amari Cooper where they're talking about that they're going to cut him or potentially cut him to save, to save uh, cap space or whatever it may be. There's nothing concrete yet. So we're not going to report anything. It'd be a lot of speculating um, this off season. If you, uh, if you're new to us, you're going to realize that a lot of the off season is speculating because there's not a lot of news that happens. They come in, in chunks throughout the off season. So we do do a lot of speculating. Uh, but at this point, that's the only three things that we really have to report on at this moment. But um, we are going to be hit with some uh, a significant amount of news, I would say, within the next probably week and a half with the free agency period opening up, franchise tags coming out. Um, so like I mentioned, we aren't recording that for two weeks. So if that's something that you want to follow along on, I would highly encourage you to be paying attention to our socials. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, predominantly on Instagram and Facebook is where we post a lot of those news and notes and our insiders and type stuff like that. Um, so I'd encourage you to follow that along. We also have our personal accounts where, uh, especially I know myself and Zach are very active on Twitter. You'll be able to follow us on Twitter there as well. But the spot where I think most of our information comes out is on Instagram there at the 306 FFB. So if, uh, like I said, a lot's going to be happening in the next week and a half. You'll be able to follow along with us if you uh, follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well, too, there. So throwing that little bit of uh, tidbit out as well. Anything to add here, fellas, before we get to keep trade cut? Right, oh, right on. Pitter patter. Hey, so for those of you that are new to keep trade cut, uh, this is the uh, the equivalent of kill one, marry one, do one type thing. You know, the, the old... Um, what do you call it the i guess the old the game i guess you used to play when you were kids i suppose uh, talking about your high school crushes or whatever it may be so the way we do this is we we pull together three individuals within certain realms maybe be veteran wide receivers free agent players which i try to stay away from as we're doing free agent talks in the next episode those types of things and uh, armin is going to decide on who he's going to keep trade or cut or and cut sorry and then zach and i kind of uh, maybe dissect and whether we agree, disagree, uh, what we do differently, uh, but we let uh, Armin do the analytical original analysis, I suppose, on the three players. So for this one, we're doing the key trade cut of sophomore running backs. Uh, so the, the three running backs we're focusing on is Javante Williams, uh, sophomore running back from the Denver Broncos, uh, Najee Harris, 
sophomore running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as Travis Etienne, the sophomore running back from Jacksonville, who actually did not get to participate in the season. So um, I guess you call it a, a <laughs> what's the phrase there, Zach, when it's not your, you're not a true freshman, but uh, you take the red, red shirt, shirt freshman, red shirt freshman. That's what we'll call him. So a sophomore or red shirt freshman, we'll call, we'll call ETN here, but uh, Arma, what are you going to do? Keep trade cut. Well, I'd love to keep, keep trade four, but uh, unfortunately that's not in the cards right now, but, you know, uh, I'll start with my cut. Uh, I am going to cut the one who hasn't proven themselves yet. The one that uh, could be the one that got away because he has a hell of a lot of potential. But I'm cutting Travis Etienne um, just out of the three guys. He He's not going to get me as much trade value as the other two and I don't know for sure what I'm going to get from him in the NFL yet um, whereas the other two I know have a pretty high floor and ceiling so um, I'm cutting Travis Antien. Now the uh, the one that I'm going to trade so uh, I went with uh, Najee for trading simply because he had the bigger season. He's a bell cow. He has that name value. He was in the first round. I think I can just get a little bit more value out of him on the trade market, um, but get similar production out of him as I would Javante Williams. And Javante Williams could explode this year, um, but I'm not getting uh, trade value from purely speculation, right? A lot of people might be high on him and might be willing to give a lot for him, but I think I'm going to get a lot more for Najee. So um, I'm keeping Javante, the one that I think could potentially have the best season of the three, um, but might not have the same trade value on the trade market as the, the other guy who is a clear-cut workhorse back. Carmen, you had Najee in a redraft league, correct? Yeah. And Zach, did you have Najee in any of your leagues this year? Uh, no, I was, well, I, I ended up with Najee for a little bit in a guillotine league. So here's a question to throw out there before we kind of go at Armin. If you, like, obviously we all own Najee this year. Would you consider, would you be happy with what you got from him or are you just kind of status quo? Uh, well, where you got him, I was... Like, it wasn't like he beat out his value, but he was to his value of where you drafted him. Yeah, it was a, it's a weird one because in, and I'm in a position where I own Najee and Javante in the same, uh, in the exact same dynasty league. And I just sit there and think like the hype around Javante is incredible right now. And even though he had the lesser of the season, like you look at, um, like you look at their fantasy finishes. And by points per game, it was a little bit of a different, by a little bit stronger of a difference. But you look at their just their point, like Najee finished RB4. Granted, there is a lot of injuries to get him to RB4. And then Javante finished back-to-back and Melvin Gordon is RB17. But there's a significant more buzz around Javante. And everybody's kind of like, oh, you know, Najee, you did what you did. Like, But he finished those RB4. So it's, and this was an interesting one. I wanted to see what you kind of what you thought. Uh, Zach, do you, do you agree with Armin or do you disagree? Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I do agree with the Travis Etienne. He's just the only one of the three that hasn't proven on an NFL stage to a, be able to stay healthy and b when healthy, be able to produce. 
um, Najee Harris and Javante Williams. You're kind of six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Um, where you're looking at Harris, you, you kind of know already what you're going to get. Um, and that's a pretty good running back. That's probably a, for sure, like a top eight running back, I would say going into next year, um, maybe even possibly top five running back. Depending if they address um, their, uh, their offensive line position here in the off season, I suppose. And you would assume that they're going to have to, right? Yeah. Um, and then you're looking at a, a player that, uh, in Javante Williams, who, um, you know, all of the, the next level stats suggest that he could be uh, a superstar given the, uh, an increase in touch, increase in touches and having that spotlight to himself. Um, and it's kind of like going back to what you said, it's just speculating. We're assuming, and many people are assuming that he will be a stud in the event that Melvin Gordon isn't there next year. So I think right now the safer bet would be Harris, but if you find yourself to be a gambler, uh, Javante Williams is that ticket that could pay off in a big way. Yeah, it's a, uh, man, I, I had a hard time with this one because you guys know how much I love Javante and, and I just see it as Najee's floor is higher, but Javante's ceiling is higher. You know, like, do you want the safety? Like kind of like Zach had mentioned, or do you want to hit, do you want to hit big and, I, uh, I did honestly, I, I thought about like this, if I didn't own either of them, who would I try to pursue in a trade? And I think the answer is Javante. That's who I want to pursue in a trade. But I, for some reason, I feel like you can get Najee cheaper. Like it's just, it's a, it's a weird situation where Najee's proven it. And it, maybe it's because it wasn't the superstar type rookie season you would have expected. But for some reason, I just feel like the buzz around obviously Javante is significantly bigger than Najee. But I, I think, I, I think I agree with you, Armin. I think I would play the safe route and just keep keep what I got. I think knowing that Najee is capable of that top five RB uh, and doing that with a la less than uh, less than um, stellar offensive line. And you look at like his if you if you actually go back and watch Najee's tape, he's getting maybe a two yards three yards a carry, but he's getting touched like his yak or his uh, yards after contact there were like at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. Like he was fighting hard for those three yards. Like imagine if he gets touched at four and goes for seven, like those, his numbers are completely different. And we're thinking about Najee in a completely different lens. So I, I don't know. I, I love Javante, but with the buzz around him, I think I'm going to deal Javante and hold on to Harris. I think. Yeah. That's, I never thought I was going to say that. I think I actually wasn't <laughs> going to until I'm sitting here listening to you guys, but yeah, I think, and you uh, can't go you can't go wrong with either of those two, and and who knows maybe you can't even go wrong with with Etienne. Um, I think he's going to be used differently than the other two. Yeah, like it's funny because going into the draft, me and Armin talked about this. We used to do uh, supervision together all the time last year, and we were talking about those two constantly. And for a while, we had Williams ranked higher than Najee in in dynasty drafts, but you weren't going to get. Harris at 104, 105, and that was the discussion. But now we're sitting here looking at here potato, potato, and Williams is going 105, 106, or later in a lot of rookie drafts, depending on obviously one QB. Like, I think for us, we went what Najee, then we went Chase, then Pitts, then ATN, then Williams, correct? In our I think so, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. They're sitting here kind of going, all right, well, we're, we're, we're basically uh, we're splitting hairs at this point, but. Well, that's where we talked about trading back in the draft. If you had the first few picks to get Williams and and get more, uh, more out of it, you know, if you, if you knew Williams as a guy you wanted and you wanted him over Harrison Etienne, because didn't you do that? You traded the one Oh two, didn't you? Uh, I traded. How did that work? I can't remember how it all went down. Oh yeah. I had one Oh two. Sorry. Um, Chase went one Oh one and I had one Oh two. I traded up to the one Oh two. I traded back my 104 to the 105. Oh, okay. That's what you did. Yeah. And then I was trying to trade 103 to 104 to try and get Williams, but I wanted Pitts at the third if I was. If you would have took Williams at the four, I think I would have cried. I <laughs> reluctantly would have taken Etienne because at the time I had James Robinson too, but would have been all right. I think things would have worked out, but that's what makes this thing so interesting. Cause we sit here and talk about this and like I said, it's a lot of speculation, but I remember last last season we talked about a keep trade cut. It was Cooper Cup. Um, oh crap, I can't remember. It was people with with changing quarterbacks or new landing spots. Camera was, and we all were like, eh, maybe we'll keep Cooper Cup. Probably cut him. And now we're looking at it like, oh well, that was stupid. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe the best of the decisions that I think it was round five ADP. I think is what it ended up being. Actually, was that one? But see, I, I hope. I wonder if I can pull it back up, but. Uh, might be scrolling here for a little bit but that's what makes this segment so much fun because it's just kind of who do you believe in and, and where do you want to go and who has the value and what can you get for them there's different ways of going at it like I remember last year Armin you went for it as like uh just best player available you're keeping and then I was talking about like maybe training for value if there was no players you liked and there's different angles you can go at the segment every time so yeah. as we get into these off-season segments there'll be a little bit uh deeper discussions maybe in some of them but these ones like uh, Zach had mentioned is a little bit of splitting hairs but Talking about uh, talking about our last season, uh, we we're looking now at a new major sponsor coming up for the upcoming season here. Uh, so for this sponsor, Reed, we're just going to take the opportunity to thank everybody that made last season uh, such a large success. Obviously, first and foremost, we'd like to thank Limitless Gear. Uh, they're our very first ever major sponsor, and uh, we are very, very thankful to have them on board. We had other sponsors prior to them, but they are the full the first major sponsor to jump on for the full season. So. Uh, really want to thank them and, and appreciate them for everything they did for us with kickstarting up our podcast. Um, and then I'd also like to thank these other major sponsor, other sponsors, sorry, that helped out uh, make the Super Bowl charity event so successful and then allowing us to make the contribution of $2,000 to kids sports. So thanking Paul Landscape and Water, uh, Cook Golf Course and Darcy's Pro Shop, PA Bolt Supply House, PA Sorcerer Sports, Fresh Air Experience here in Prince Albert, and finally Rock Trout Event Center for hosting the Super Bowl event and allowing us to uh, kind of tag along and, and make it uh, make it our own, I guess. So uh, without them, the last season wouldn't have been what it was. And uh, we're currently uh, in the process of looking for our next major sponsor. So uh, stay on the lookout for uh, for that announcement when that comes. It could uh, that be being you, said, folks. That being said, we got our uh, our off season segment uh, of the episode, or our segments of the uh, of this this particular one is free agent matchmaker. So we got to give a big thanks to Zach for making this one happen. Uh, he spent some time to make this uh, make this nice little prod for us, and of course, me and Armin got a chance to go toe to toe at this one again too. So Zach, will uh, without further ado, we'll uh, we'll cue you up here. All right, so this is a matchmaker style game um, where I will present uh, three or four players for each 
fantasy football positional group. Uh, and these players are all players that are going to be free agents in the coming weeks. Um, I did not include any players that have been cut to the uh, at this moment. Um, these are all players that have expiring contracts. Um, we also didn't include any of the players that we thought as of Monday evening that will be getting the franchise tag. So players like Devontae Adams, uh, Mike Williams, Chris Godwin uh, were not included because we believe that eventually they will be uh, either extended or they will receive the franchise tag in the next day or so. So, fellas, how this game is going to work, um, I will go to the position group, and you guys can just take turns um, discussing um, where you think that player is going to go. Um, on each player's slide, I have selected three uh, teams that I think would be reasonable landing spots. Uh, you can go ahead pick whichever landing spot you think uh, that player will go to, and then we'll move on. Uh, before we begin, uh, fellas, who wants to go first? I will graciously allow Armin to go first. All righty. So uh, without further ado, ready to go there, Armando? Yeah. All right. On to the quarterbacks. So our first quarterback is Jameis Winston. He's 28 years old. Uh, last season, he played in seven games uh, before the injury there. And over the course of those seven games, he had just under 60% completion percentage, uh, 1,170 passing yards, 14 TDs. And the stat that really stands out, he only had three interceptions. Uh, according to... Uh, PFF, uh, they predict that he will receive a one-year $7 million contract. Uh, and I speculate, I think, the teams that may be in on Winston are the newly named Washington Commanders, uh, possibly a reunion with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or maybe going north to the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, this goes for all of the players that I mentioned. There is also the option of them re-signing with their current team. So, Armand, who do you think will sign Winston out of the four teams that I mentioned and why? All right, I'm going to start this with I made a cheat sheet, but I forgot it at work when I came home today. So <laughs> I'm going off memory here. So uh, forgive me, folks, if I overlook a small detail. Um, Winston, I was thinking about it. Um, his completion percentage still isn't that great, right? He still has a little bit of work to do, um, but those INTs definitely help his case here. Um, I'm looking at maybe a team that um, doesn't necessarily want to win right, right now, um, but um, wants to be competitive pretty quick in the next uh, year or two here. Um, so I'm leaning towards Washington for him. Um, they got a lot of pieces in place. Um, they're still fairly young, but I don't think they're, they're wanting to compete for, for the uh, Super Bowl ne necessarily next year, but in the next few years after that. And that'll give Winston a little bit more time to get situated in Washington um, and, and kind of figure it out a little bit. 
Um, Tampa Bay, been there, done that. I don't think they want to go back to him. And uh, I think they're they're still in a position where they want to compete for, for the Super Bowl, even though they're without Tom Brady this year. And then Indy, just his style of play and Indy's style of play, I, I just don't think it necessarily jives. <laughs> I got a question here for you, Zach, before we continue. Are we allowed to go off the board? Uh, I will think less of you. I put time into picking these teams. I will certainly think less of you. <laughs> oh, rats. I have oh, a nice landing spot that I think is very uh, compatible, but I will stick to the game. All righty. So uh, thank you, Armin. That was, that was great. Uh, I do agree. I do think Washington would be a great fit. Um, I think he would do wonders for uh, Scary Terry. Just oh, yeah rip it from the butthole and just chuck it downfield. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's a, that's a type of receiver that, uh, that Winston needs, right. Is a receiver that's going to win those 50, 50 balls. Yeah. It's like, look at, look at what he did with, uh, with Godwin that year. I think he threw 23 INTs, but I think he also threw 40 some touchdowns that year. It was incredible. Yeah. It's like the memes where it's like, ah, McLaurin's got to be down there somewhere. Yeah. And he just rips it. But now he'll know because he actually can see. Yeah, he got All I think of him now surgery. is when he was shooting that basketball with his eyes closed. It was just like, oh, man. <laughs> All right. So next we have uh, Jordan, and he's going to be talking about my man, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Mitchell is a young 27 years old. Um, last year, he backed up uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo his first season. Uh, in that trash city. Um, but prior to going to Buffalo in 2020, uh, he had a 67% completion percentage, uh, 2,055 pass yards, 16 TDs, and eight interceptions for the Chicago Bears. Uh, PFF predicts he will receive a two-year, $14 million contract on the open market. And I have identified the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, Washington Commanders and the New York Giants as possible landing spots. And like I mentioned with Winston, uh, there is the chance that he may re-sign in Buffalo. But I think uh, this guy more than anyone else is looking for a, a starting gig and he's not going to be getting that in, in Buffalo. So I do like the landing spot of the New York uh, Jets or New York Giants there, sorry. Um, but my only consideration for that is I see Mitchell Trubisky and I see uh, Jones as a very, very comparable quarterback. They're, they're two of the same. They're mobile, but they have their issues. You know, I, I, they're not elite quarterbacks by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, but they, like, I still, I see Trubisky a little bit on the higher side. Um, so for the same, for similar reasons of Washington, uh, Armin liked I think there's pros and cons to having Washington in there but the team I think I'm going to select is the Pittsburgh Steelers because uh, we, we've seen what the Steelers were capable with a quarterback that was incredibly immobile and could <laughs> not stretch the field with his arm um, so they have the pieces that uh, to be very compatible or be very competitive sorry they made the playoffs uh, by the hairs on their chin there with a couple tie break scenarios in uh, week 18. Um, but I do think that the Steelers are very are very uh, competitive team. They have a solid run game. Uh, if they can address their, if they can address their offensive line situation, 
Uh, they have the young, very capable Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, among other um, wide receivers, if Juju Smith sticks around. If not, that Ray Ray McLeod seemed to be getting a lot of target share this last season, and including, obviously, um, sophomore season of Pat Fryermuth. Uh, I think the Steelers have the capability of making a solid run, but they were a quarterback away from doing so. And adding the ability to be able to run, including be able to stretch the ball down the field, I think that is something that Mitch Trubisky can do. They're not going to rely on Trubisky to win them any football games by any stretch of the imagination, as they are going to be very run first team, much they were trying to be last year because of that was pure necessity. Um, but he does have the capability to push the ball downfield, which will allow the run game to thrive a little bit. So I do think, I don't know if this is exactly where he will land, but I think it is a very nice match make, uh, match made in heaven there between the two, um, especially with taking a rookie quarterback for the Steelers is not going to get them over the promised land, but Trubisky uh, with a little bit of experience might be able to do that. I, yeah, the uh, Steelers don't need the best QB in the world, but Trubisky would be enough. I have True Biscuits in a super flex. Um, he was the third overall pick the season before I picked up this team as an orphan. And it's been the joke of the league ever since that uh, in the, the year where guys like uh, Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes were drafted, the loser owner that was the uh, that owned the team before me picked him over both of them. And uh, <laughs> so I am hoping against hope there, JC, that he ends up not only in Pittsburgh, but as a starter in Pittsburgh. That well, there's be- no way he loses that job to Mason Rudolph. There's no way. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. <laughs> How, yeah. Sure. Haskins over Rudolph. I'll give you that. But there could be a hundred quarterbacks in the NFL and Mason Rudolph's gonna finish 101. That guy's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Armand. Uh the final quarterback um to look at today is our boy Fitzmagic. Sports. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fatherly 39 years old. Um, and I think the age is catching up. Uh, he played in exactly one game this season, uh, but in 2020 with the Miami dolphins, 69% completion percentage. That's the most Ryan Fitzpatrick number ever, uh, just under 2,100 passing yards, 13 TDs and eight interceptions. PFF predicts a one year, $7 million contract. Um, I have identified three programs that he could go to uh the denver broncos the indianapolis colts and fox sports as a wild card landing spot oh that's so good if you guys are watching this at home on youtube we uh we're finally back on youtube with the off-season segments here if you saw that before obviously you understand why we're laughing now fox sports that is good stuff zach oh i enjoy that <laughs> you well, know i uh, i want to go fox sports here because He'd be a great personality to watch, I think. I'd, I'd tune in every week to Fox Sports to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick break down the game. But, uh, you know, I think he uh, he doesn't want to go out like he did last year. Um, he went down week one, right? And I think he he's the type of guy who would want to finish a season on his feet and then retire if he could. Um, so 
one more kick at the can for old Fitz Magic here. And what better place than uh, the place that's doing one can kickers of Indianapolis? Um, you know, they went with the Phillip Rivers, they went with Carson Wentz, bring in Fitz Magic and let him rep for a year and, and see what you can get. They, uh, they are a team that uh, they run the ball a ton, so he wouldn't have to throw the ball a lot. And uh, when he does throw the ball, he'll have good old Michael Pittman or T.Y. Hilton catching it for him. Uh, uh, it'd be a great show to watch, I think. You know, I think if, if one of those teams ends up drafting a Q, like say, for example, Denver doesn't win the sweepstakes, they draft a Q or something like that. I don't know, just spitball, you know, like teams like Washington or if they draft a Q, I think that would be a real good landing spot for them too. You know, like it's hard to identify either team's going to draft a quarterback, but if a team drafts a quarterback, that would be a really nice compliment to go, you know, like a, say like yeah. a, a Malik Willis, or maybe he's not NFL ready, but you want to give him time to develop. That's a real nice pairing. You might as well just, just insert. We are drafting with the 11th overall pick Malik Willis and Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, like that's how you're going to announce it at the draft. I, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, I think whichever team or if a team ends up signing Fitzpatrick, it's with the eye towards the future, uh, towards the draft in April, thinking that if the, the guy that we draft isn't ready come week one, we have this bag of bones that could be the bridge quarterback until our rookie is, is ready to play. And increase right. your viewership with his chest hair hanging out at press conferences. You know people <laughs> are you know, Out of the options you gave us, Indianapolis has the better history of producing quarterbacks compared to Denver, I'd say. Yeah, and Denver, Absolutely. I'm curious what they're going to do here. Even if they don't land Aaron Rodgers, they, they can't be going into the next season with Drew Locke and Teddy B. There's no way. <laughs> but, hey. Alrighty, so speculation as Zach calls it, I like it. So Jordan, <laughs> you are now the first, uh, first running back, uh, and the first running back we are looking at is Cordero Patterson, thirty or thirty years old. Uh, this is a multi-purpose weapon. Uh, this past season in Atlanta, six hundred and eighteen rushing yards to go along with six touchdowns. Uh, and you can complement that with 52 receptions, 548 receiving yards, and five touchdowns through the air. Uh, he finished as the running back nine this past season in half-point PPR leagues, and PFF uh, predicts a two-year, $12 million contract. I have identified possible landing spots as the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, and the now Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, so process of elimination here. Uh, I'm going to end up with the New York Jets, but I'm going to tell you how I'm going to get there. So the Las Vegas wow. Raiders, uh, they have a gigantic committee, uh, and they are never, ever, ever going to get rid of Jalen Richard. He will be a Las Vegas Raider till the day he dies. Uh, for some reason, he just – since he's came in the league, they just keep signing him to catch the ball on third down every odd possession. So uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, they already have kind of a, a committee of backfield. So I feel like them adding this individual after he's probably going to receive a decent chunk of change like Zach had identified by pro football focus there. Um, they're going to be getting about a $12 million contract ballpark. I don't think the Raiders are willing to do that for uh, already a, a solidified backfield. 
Miami, I, I would really like to see them go for somebody in the draft or a bigger name free agent. I don't think Coral Patterson fits the bill. Uh, but the reason why New York Jets sticks out to me uh, is for a few reasons. I really like the rookie running back they picked up in the draft. We talked about him coming out of UNC last year um, and how they were kind of a, a combo back to each other uh, with a um, uh, with Javante Williams there. So they were kind of a, a, I guess, a little tandem back. We weren't really sure exactly what we were going to get. Um, now, with Tevin Coleman looking like he is either going to retire, get cut, get traded. We don't really know what's going to happen with Tevin Coleman. Uh, he was kind of just a, a thorn in the back for the New York Jets uh, as a fantasy player. Uh, but also looking at Braxton Berrios, who is an upcoming free agent as well. Now, Braxton Berrios, uh, for those of you who are unaware, is the wide receiver for the New York Jets. He was also their gadgetry guy running Jets and, and stuff like that out of the backfield. And he was also their kick and punt return player as well. So if they do not retain Braxton Berrios, I think it'd be a really interesting fit for Cordero Patterson, who until last season was a kick returner type player. He was a special teams player, uh, but now kind of turned into a gadgetry type running back player. So I think that would be a really good fit with an already established, well, I shouldn't say established, but a up and coming running back, uh, be able to pair him with a 30-year-old Cordero Patterson and then be able to still use Cordero in this gadgetry type offense while not running into the ground like he was had done in Atlanta. So I, I do like the New York Jets upcoming this season. You know, I, you convinced me, Jordan, I was, uh, I was thinking none of these three teams actually for Cordero. And then um, you talk about the Jets there. And it also reminded me of uh, um, their head coach comes off the, uh, the whole like San Fran coaching tree, uh, and what's depth the, other... of the running back position what depth of the running back position that's what yeah. san francisco loves yeah and the the gadget plays the design plays to get a guy a playmaker the ball in his hands like debo right um that's actually i was thinking of him going to san fran would be a good fit but new york jets would be kind of similar idea I'm interested to see what Sala can do here in his second year. That was somebody I was really ha uh, hoping that Detroit was going to get their hands on. Now I'm very happy with uh, Campbell, but I'm interested to see what Sala can do. But I think that would be uh, an interesting weapon to pair together with that uh, with that offense, especially especially with the gadgetry option. But you know, who, who knows? Maybe it was a one-hit wonder, but uh, regardless, you can put him back there with that speed and return some punts, I suppose. Very good. Armand, next is... James Connor, who is still only 26 years old. Uh, this past season, he had 752 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns on the ground, 37 receptions and 375 receiving yards and three touchdowns through the air. Finished the season as running back five and a half point PPR leagues. And he's predicted to receive a contract in the ballpark of two years 13 million dollars um some teams that i thought might be interested in connor include the texans the bills and the dolphins and then don't forget about uh re-signing with the cardinals all right um well this one i'm gonna eliminate uh houston right off the bat um, I think James Conner is going to be wanting to be on a team that uh, is going to be competitive. And Houston, I don't see a reason why next year they'll be competitive yet. Um, but you never know. I could be wrong. But 
Um, so that leaves me down to re-signing in Buffalo and Miami. Um, I'm almost, I, I kind of want to have fun with this game. So I'm going to say he's not going to re-sign with the Cardinals. Um, and then looking at Buffalo and Miami, I think uh, Buffalo is going to take a, uh, a different running back that we're going to be talking about next. Um, so I'm going to go with Miami where you have Gaskins there. Um, but Connor is a complimentary back to the type of style of running back that Gaskins is. Um, I think they would complement each other well with the, the thunder and lightning kind of idea there. And James Connor is a type of guy who, who will cede to another guy. He won't be upset if he's having to share touches with another player, um, but also will be very productive when he does see the field. Um, good team guy, good guy to have around in the locker room. And I think he'd be a, a great fit in Miami who might be looking for a guy like that. Oh man, I hope he resigns. I hope and think he has resigned. And I hope Edmonds goes someplace else. <laughs> I had them both on the same fantasy team and that was just an absolute nightmare. Lastly, for running backs, Jordan, you have what some people may consider the um, the premier running back in this class. Um, somebody whose name I misspelled on the slide. That's awesome. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, Fournette. 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 I hardly know her. <laughs> Leonard Fournette, 27 years old. Um, last year, he had 812 rush yards, eight TDs on the ground, uh, 69 receptions, nice. 545 receiving yards, and two, D, two TDs through the air. Um, finished the season as running back seven in half-point PPR leagues, uh, predicted to get uh, $16 million over two years. And I proposed the same three teams the Texans, the Bills, and the Dolphins. So I don't think they're going to, I don't think he's going to resign. Uh, I think with Tom Brady retiring, uh, they're going to go a different direction and almost a rebuild. That's my speculation. I, I don't know. They might be able to sign a premier quarterback and then that's the direction they go to resign. Um, playoff Lenny here and maybe. let him run. I'm going, to, I'm going to start calling him Fournetter. I think that's just classic. I like that now. That's Fournetter. Um, the only two teams, I do think Buffalo would be a nice fit for him, uh, but they would have to end up obviously clearing some space in that back uh, backfield for him because um, with having a, having the two they already have there um, and both kind of being, I would consider misses in their draft positions. Like they had Singletary and everybody kind of thought, that was uh, who they were going to roll with. And then they ended up going and drafting uh, the names escaping right now. Zach Moss. Thank yeah. you. Drafting Moss, I believe in the third round and what would be very considered a miss now uh, after watching him this last season, uh, they would have to remove, I think, and clear up space for, for, uh, for Netter here. Uh, but I think two is I, <laughs> I think if he goes to Houston, it's going to be chasing money as a 27 year old. This is probably going to be his last significant contract. Uh, so if he doesn't get a significant offer to a playoff contending team, maybe he does chase the money. So that's me why Houston could be a contention, but I think just Miami's a perfect fit for this type of guy. Um, he really battled off off field problems and kind of what seemed to have it figured out uh, in Tampa this last little bit kind of got put into check 
uh, between that organization there. So maybe now with a bit of a stronger head on his shoulders going into a new organization, I think Miami would be a, a solid fit. They, they're really missing uh, a, a hard hitter at the running back position, um, a guy that can feast on the goal line. And in a team that is, um, I think, would be a real contender type offense. You know, you have two of that can make a, a big step forward. Uh, you have the obviously Jalen Waddle have a, an incredible rookie season and you have a lot of other solid pieces to that puzzle. So I think that would be a, just the perfect landing spot. And I think a lot of fantasy managers would be really happy if Leonard Fournette ended up in Miami. So that's that's where I'm going to go with that one. With what you said, it uh, it sounded a lot like you were describing James Conner's situation. Too. <laughs> I, I just I, I like James Conner a lot. and I think you can kind of find similarities between the two of them, 26, 27 years old. Both probably this is going to be their last contract. James Conner could be the guy that chases the money too, because he's a guy that's kind of been the roller coaster. You know, he, he had, uh, he had picked up the slack for Lev Bell and then got a nice little chunk of change. Then he got hurt. And then he got to basically pick up a, uh, an almost a negative deal. we going to Arizona as a prove it deal. And then basically did that this year. So he might be a guy that chases the money and retires off his contract. So that would be, that'd be uh, something interesting that could happen from that one. See, where, where I was sitting at with Fournetter here is uh, – <laughs> I just wanted to say his name again. Um, no, but in, in, in all seriousness, uh, I, I thought between him, Miami and Buffalo for him, if they both gave him similar contracts, I think he chooses Buffalo because he has the more better opportunity to be the guy there. And win, and win a championship, I would say, too. Yeah. Can you imagine that backfield with uh, Fernetter and uh, and Allen? Like oh, just that perfect those, tandem. Those modern day two hundred and thirty pound linebackers are going to be sitting on the bench with broken and bruised ribs, with these two battering rams coming down. If that's the case, if he returns, do you think Josh Allen becomes the goes trifecta in a row uh, quarterback number one? Do you think that's going to dip into his uh, running, rushing performance? Do you think he still stays as QB one? Lots of those teddies were red zone goal line. And I mean, that's, that's kind of Fernetter's thing. Yeah. Three yards in a cloud of dust. He is Fernetter now. That's his name. That's Fernetter. Yeah. That's so good. I'll have to send him a, a DM or something over Twitter to let him know. Yeah, play and not playoff Lenny for Netter now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the receiver room. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, yes, at the as of recording Monday night, uh, Devontae Adams, Mike Williams, and Chris Godwin are all uh still scheduled to be free agents, but we presume that they will be franchised or sign long-term deals. So we're not even going to talk about those guys. Uh, Armand, the first receiver that we're going to look at is Allen Robinson, uh, 28 years old. Uh, this past season was a bit of a down year for our boy here. Uh, 66 targets, 38 receptions, 410 receiving yards, and one touchdown. Uh, he finished the season as a disappointing wide receiver, 86, uh, and is projected to get a three-year, $45 million contract. Um, I have identified the Miami Dolphins, Detroit Lions, and Indianapolis Colts as potential landing spots. And everybody knows he is not going back to Chicago. Um, 
I think between him and his agent, they made that pretty clear. So Armin, where do you think this guy heads? Hmm. Yeah, this one is a is a tougher one because you also got to wonder, are people looking at him as this last year was a blip and he's going to be back to his normal um, Allen Robinson numbers next year? Or is he uh, is this last year signs of uh, a decline for him, a start, steep decline? Um, I'm looking at the teams there. I don't think he would necessarily want to be part of the Detroit rebuild. Um, although you never know, but I'm going to eliminate that one pretty quick here. Um, looking at Miami and Indianapolis, um, I'm looking at their what they got for young weapons and who he would complement the best with. I'm thinking uh, Miami would make the most sense. Um, I think he would complement Jalen Waddell a little bit more, and um, him and Devontae Parker could be the two kind of more possession like guys or the big body type guys and Waddle can continue to be that, uh, um, that uh, street or that uh, jet guy, the, the burner um, who, who goes deeper, gets those underneath routes and takes them for, for long yardage. Um, I think that complements him a little bit more than uh, Indianapolis who um, Michael Pittman is probably pretty similar to him and what kind of receiver he is and is just kind of breaking out. So he'd kind of be on the outside looking in there for as far as uh, where his um, tool set would best be used. Yeah, I think I agree with you there, Armin, especially when you got like Pascal and you got other feasible guys. If Hilton kind of stays for another year, you got feasible guys. I think that's a great fit is Miami. I think that's just the perfect fit for him. Nice compliment to Waddle. Yeah. Miami has like an uh, absurd amount of money uh, available this offseason. Yeah, number one team, like, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I think it's like 70 million. They I basically have the entire roster of the Pittsburgh Pirates available to spend. <laughs> it's like it's obscene how much money they have to uh, spend this offseason. 61 so million they have available. So well, I could see them be a big prove it year for for uh, Tua. So they might bring in a lot of weapons to kind of be like, here, here you go, you got weapons now. Show what you can do. Certainly. So I could see Miami almost being ignorant with the way they spend money, uh, probably just overspending uh, to get some of these veteran playmakers in to do exactly that to to complement Tua and to give Mike McDaniel a good sense of. What does he have to work with with Tua? Are they able to continue building uh, towards a championship team with Tua? Or do they have to tear it down after this season? Uh, so, Jordan, next up is one of our guys, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, still only 25 years old. Um, this past season was cut short, unfortunately. He only played in five games. But over those five games, he had 29 targets, 15 receptions, 129 receiving yards, and uh, zero touchdowns. Uh, he finished a disappointing wide receiver, 137 this season. Uh, he's predicted to receive a one-year, $8 million contract. Um, this is somebody that had the chance to go to uh, Kansas City last year. Uh, but turned them down to sign a one-year deal 
uh, with Pittsburgh. And uh, I think he gambled on himself and I don't know if it paid off. So Jordan, what do you think? In all honesty, this all four teams, it could be a good landing spot. They're all four teams that need the options. Uh, I, I think, think I forgot to mention those teams. Do you want to rattle them off for everyone? Yeah, sure. Obviously, we've got the re-signing in Pittsburgh. Uh, we also have the Philadelphia Eagles. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then we also have the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think the team that le- needs him the least is honestly Pittsburgh. Uh, they have they have two very young, capable wide receivers, and then they can kind of plug and play that uh, that third position. Or if they want to run that uh, tight end set, they can do that as well. So I think out of all the teams, necessity wise, uh, I think that wouldn't that would kind of cross Pittsburgh out. Even though um, it was kind of bizarre that he would put the the prove it deal, uh, one year kind of uh, betting on himself deal, not um, Calvin Ridley betting on yourself, but uh, Juju Smith playing <laughs> betting on your ability. Um, I think he would maybe want to stick in Pittsburgh. I think that's kind of the uh, almost the uh, the feeling I'm getting. But you could plug or play him into any of these three positions. Uh, Philadelphia obviously needing a wide receiver assistance, maybe uh, um, to kind of pair up with Devonte uh, Smith. Maybe they're going to go for a bigger body in the draft. Is kind of the sense I'm getting. Maybe like a Drake London type player. Uh, but I I think just the perfect fit for him is maybe go to Kansas City. That's a team that um, they have their obviously num- their number one wide receiver. The Pringles, the the Robinsons, they're not panning out. Uh, I think at that point, you know, you're you're kind of chasing after lost causes. So you might as well go and get somebody that is very very capable, has silky smooth hands, and and thrives in those under routes. Allow Tyreek to stretch the field, use them in those gadgetry type plays where you can get the ball in his hands in space with speed. And I think it'd be a nice little pairing with uh, Travis Kelsey and they can kind of run those uh, almost those divide routes or those, those stagger routes where Kelsey may takes the under and he takes the over and then Tyreek's um, uh, spaces the field down a little bit. So I think that would be an interesting fit. And I think it's an opportunity. Maybe if he, he's, he's going to have to take a lower end deal, very similar to, he took the, the deal with Pittsburgh, but if, if Kansas city is willing to offer him a one year, 8 million or a two year, 13, whatever it is, why wouldn't you go with Kansas city and a team that's arguably in the best position to try and win, you know, the Jaguars are in a rebuild. You're, you're going to be there for the long haul. Maybe you want to pair yourself with a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, Uh, the Eagles, maybe they're a playoff contending team again this year, but Kansas city, they're always top five in uh, Super Bowl favorites. So if you're going to go on a, on a short deal, why don't you go to a team where, where you can win a ring in in the process? I agree with you there, Jordan. That's a, that's a very good one. Um, he'd be great complimenting Casey and um, he would definitely slot in pretty quick there. He wouldn't really be fighting for, for a, a starting spot or anything. And he, he fits well as a secondary option, not the, the wide receiver one, but like the wide receiver two or three, like, he's probably I, one of the best at it. Like I think for football, that's a great landing spot, but as a Juju owner, Zach, would you be happy with that? I think so. I think I would be honestly the most happy with that. Um, like, let's look back to, um, his, his big year. I think that was 2019, I think his, his big year, he played beside and and usually behind AB with the Steelers. Brown was the one that was getting all the attention from the other teams, uh, either their elite corner or being bracketed by a corner and a safety over top. 
Uh, once Brown left, it quickly became apparent that Smith Schuster might not have it within himself to be a dominant number one receiver. If he went to Kansas City and he played behind Tyreek Hill, that would really uh, replicate, I suppose, the situation he was in in Kansas City, or sorry, in Pittsburgh, with, with in Kansas City. So that would be a lining spot that I would be quite happy with. Um, and, and think of the social media possibilities, him and Jackson Mahomes. Oh my <laughs> He's not allowed to go to games anymore. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, allegedly, right? <laughs> yeah. So Armand, next up is somebody that uh, many people may have forgotten about as he hasn't been in the spotlight in a little bit. But we are talking DJ Baby Shark. Uh, Shark is 25 years old, uh, very similar to Smith Schuster. Uh, he only played in four games this past season. Um, in those four games, he had 22 targets, seven receptions, 154 receiving yards, and, and two touchdowns. Uh, on this season, he finished as wide receiver 33. Um, this was somebody that got into Urban Meyer's doghouse early on was somebody that Meyer described as a receiver that uh, is big but plays little or plays small, I think were the exact words. Um, potential landing spots that I've, I've seen on social media and that I could see being a fit myself would be the Oakland Raiders, rather the Las Vegas Raiders, pardon me, uh, the Detroit Lions, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what do you think, Armand? Oh, he is a tough one. Um, I don't really know what to, to think of DJ Chark. I um, He's an anomaly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the Las Vegas Raiders, though. Um, they, they've been looking for help in the receiving room. They've been throwing everything against the wall, hoping it sticks, and just trying all sorts of different guys there. Um, the only thing that they have going for them is Waller and Renfro and um, having Chark maybe as a complimentary piece to them. I think he, his abilities when he's doing well would complement Renfro and Waller. Um, big body can, that uh, you could throw down the sideline to as composed to, to Waller and Renfro doing the more uh, short routes and medium routes kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. My, I'm thinking, like, huh, does Detroit want him? Like, I don't know. Like, Detroit is absolutely plugged up with 23 to 27-year-old wide receivers, and it's just, like, somebody's got a hit. Like, you know, like, maybe maybe we'll use our draft capital someplace else yeah. and uh, take them. But I don't know. This is uh, this is a good one, Zach. I, I, yeah, you can make arguments for all of them. Yeah. Him. Philly, you know, he, he could do well in Philly, but I'm just thinking back to, like, Aguilar in Philly, and it just – I don't know. It almost feels like DJ Chark would be Aguilar all over again. Chark, more than any of the players that we have mentioned or that we will mention, is somebody that I, for whatever reason, I am seeing him all over social media over the last week or so. Um, it seems whenever I scroll through Twitter, um, there's speculation. Oh, like the Raiders are interested. The Lions are interested. The, uh, the Eagles are interested. Um, I think it's because of his, his youth 
and the fact that he likely won't garner the same type of money as a Robinson or a Smith Schuster, that uh, he could be somebody that's uh, kind of like a sneaky play, somebody that you buy low on. Yeah, especially coming yeah. off only a four-game season. Absolutely. Uh, so we said uh, Raiders for him. Uh, lastly, Jordan, this next guy is somebody that I am quite fond of. Uh, Christian Kirk, a 25-year-old receiver from Arizona. Uh, this year was Kirk's best year. Uh, 103 targets, 77 receptions, 982 receiving yards, and five TDs. Uh, he finished just outside of wide receiver two territory in fantasy, finishing this season as wide receiver 26. Uh, he's predicted to receive a three-year $35 million contract uh, and possible landing spots include, uh, you know, resigning in Arizona or going to Chicago, possibly Green Bay, if they can unload some more contracts. And uh, the one that's gotten the most buzz on social media lately is him signing in uh, Buffalo in that garbage city um, there were pictures on social media a weekend or two ago of him having dinner with Josh Allen and their respective partners. And that set the rumor mill ablaze. So Jordan, what do you think? Yeah. And then they got uh, the vaccine man himself. He's allowed to go look for trade offers. Now two old Cole Beasles. Um, yeah, he might go run for the Republican party. Who knows? Yeah. Measles, the Beasles. Um, I, I think this one is, more simple if we know what's happening with Rodgers. If Rodgers is sticking in Green Bay, I think they got that wide receiver room shy of Devontae Adams. They let Valdez Scantling walk. Uh, they let Lazard walk, even though um, Rodgers has talked about that connection he does like with Lazard. Uh, I think that's a nice fit, Christian Kirk, to be able to pair up with Devontae Adams, uh, clearing up some cap space, signing him in, uh, maybe for a, a short-term but a bigger money deal type situation. I'm, I'm not sure. I think if Rogers does stick around, I think that's a nice little landing spot there. But uh, for some reason, I was just very attracted to the Chicago Bears um, for him to land there. Just, just with them losing Robinson, uh, they have Mooney, but after that, uh, who are they going to keep running with? You know, like Mooney's their young up and comer. Uh, they need somebody else to kind of be able to pair up with it and and give weapons to Justin Fields. You know, you given you given him the backfield. Justin Field, it's his it's his backfield to run with now, uh, and you can only rely on his legs so much. I remember watching it was at the semifinal game where they had to rely on, was it a semifinal game where Ohio had to rely on him to run. I think he took 45 unnecessary hits and it was like, man, this guy's just going to keep getting up. You can't maintain a long uh, NFL career by, by trying to win yourself a national championship, taking 45 major hits. So um, you need to give him weapons. And I think that's ideal spot because you, you need to be able to give him those options Darnell Mooney, I think, is a is a budding superstar. I think he is a guy that uh, it would is a nice little fantasy asset if you have him at this point because he he did produce big time for for players last year, and I think Christian Kirk would be a nice little pairing for that. Now, would I like a bigger name or maybe a draft drafted player to go there, um, possibly because you can get that connection? But who's to say Christian Kirk might not be able to make that connection with Justin Fields as well too? So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Bears. Well, who knows? The Bears could take two two receivers right sign him pick up a guy in the draft or another free agent yep for sure there's the room for him 
Kirk is somebody also that on social media has been getting a lot of hype uh, from the uh, like the the analyst community, I suppose, um, the insider community. Uh, lots of hype. People saying that his market will be exceptionally hot. Um, as he profiles as more of a, a Z type receiver, yeah. somebody that can play in line and then also on the outside, whereas some of these other guys are strictly like a X or Y receiver. So uh, Kirk is definitely somebody that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a hotter market than uh, many people may think. If he lands in uh, Buffalo, who gets 13, him or Davis? <laughs> Um, well, Kirk will certainly have the money to, uh, to buy what Davis wants, but who yeah. knows five TDs in a playoff game, apparently <laughs> Yeah, get a big number five gold encrusted <laughs> chain. So, uh, we are now going to go into the tight ends and they're very similar to what I said about the receivers. Um, there's a very good chance that the first two guys we talk about maybe tagged or signed to long-term extensions. Um, the reason I kept them in was because the wide receiver uh, pool of free agents is very deep. Whereas after the first three or four uh, tight ends, especially with Najoku uh, being franchised today, it got pretty sad pretty quick. So uh, the first tight end that I have for you, Armand, is... Dalton Schultz, 25 years old, uh, having or had himself, pardon me, a career, a career year, 104 targets, 78 receptions, 808 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. He finished the season as tight end number three, uh, predicted to secure himself a four year, $52 million contract. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets franchised by the Cowboys, but if that doesn't happen, um, some other possible spots may include the Bengals, the Dolphins, or the Colts. What say you, Armand? All right, I'm going to make this uh, very easy. You can call me a liar because uh, now I'm going to say that he's going to stay a Cowboy. Um, I like him as a Cowboy. I think the Cowboys like him. Um, he worked very well last year, had a breakout season, and uh, all of the speculation around Amari Cooper leaving. It did seems to make sense that Dalton Schultz would stay and continue on what he did last season. Um, Bengals wouldn't make much sense to me um, with Uzama and, and Sample, um, and then Jacecki in Miami, and maybe Indy needs another tight end, but... Uh, I think uh, Schultz would stay in, in Dallas over, over all three of those options as well. Especially with the Jarwin news, I think, too. That makes it kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. yeah. Some, like, freak injury that <laughs> active players don't typically get for Jarwin. Yeah. Um, the reason why I included all these teams is they are all losing their current tight end. Uh, Uzama coming off an injury, but he did play in the Super Bowl. And he is also a free agent. Uh, Gasecki in Miami is a free agent, uh, possibly someone that could be tagged or signed. And then the Colts losing Doyle, uh, lose possibly losing Cox. And all three of these teams have a boatload of money to throw at a young budding tight end. 
Uh, Jordan, Mike Gusecki. This is an interesting, uh, an interesting guy. Uh, he's 26 years old. This season, he had 112 targets, 73 receptions, 780 receiving yards, but only two touchdowns. Uh, he finished the season as tight end 11 on the year, uh, projected to get four years, $55 million. Um, possible landing spots include the Jaguars, the Chargers, and the Jets, as well as resigning in Miami. Now, I read this morning that Miami is interested in re-signing or tagging Gusecki, but the catch is Gusecki wants to be valued as a receiver. And if he designates himself or his agent designates him as a receiver, that'll affect the franchise tag number because the franchise tag is position specific. And if he values himself as a receiver, he may be looking at getting some extra money out of that franchise tag. Oh, man. With Dan Arnold getting traded to Jacksonville, I'm going to maybe uh, dash that one out there, even though he did get injured to finish the season. I just think the nice little landing spot, even though this sucks because I'm a big fan of Donald Parham, uh, I, I think the nice little line spot is with Chargers. Um, Jared Cook did admirably in, in filling in there. Um, Donald Parham did go down to that scary injury. By all reports, he's going to have a healthy recovery. Um, but uh, I just think that's a nice little spot. You're looking at a Justin Herbert, young, very talented, uh, young offense. And, and Gusecki is very, very gifted, talented, athletic player. Uh, and I think that's just another weapon to give to a young quarterback is going to make your team successful. So I just think that is kind of almost a picture perfect landing spot. The only thing I think that will get in the way of that is, uh, is the dolphins maybe franchise tagging him. But I do think the chargers landing spot, it would be ideal, not only for him career path wise for the team wise, but also for fantasy owner wise as well. Put it this way. If he lands with chargers, I'm going to wish I traded low on him. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> Uh, so going from one tight end who fancies himself as a slot receiver to another tight end that also fancies himself as a slot receiver, we have Evan Ingram, uh, 27 years old. Uh, this past season, he had 73 targets, 46 receptions, 408 yards, three touchdowns. He did finish the season as tight end 23 uh, projected to get a two-year contract worth $18 million. Um, possible landing spots include the Chargers, the Jaguars, um, the Dallas Cowboys, as well as re-signing in Dallas. Um, and this, sorry, in New York, pardon me. Uh, and this is another tight end that has, whether it's on record or just through uh, speculation and rumors, has been trying to market himself as a big receiver, as a slot receiver, and not a tight end for what I would imagine would be financial purposes. Armand, what do you think? Oh, I'm almost leaning to Fox Sports on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm looking at him, I'm looking at what he brings to the table and, and the teams around um i don't see him necessarily catching the eye of a team that's wanting to compete necessarily right now 
um, just because he's he's not the prettiest balance to the ball. Um, so I'm thinking maybe Jacksonville there. Um, like Jordan said, they had Dan Arnold who went down to injury. Maybe Ingram comes in. Um, he fills that role for a little bit. And then uh, once Arnold comes back, maybe they push him out to the slot like he wants to be or fancy him a bit more of a receiver and he can go do more receiving work that way. Um, it's a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons as of right now. Um, and he could help with that. That's so funny. All these old players are trying to frame themselves as tight ends to prolong their career, but now these tight ends are trying to frame themselves <laughs> as wide receivers to get more money. Uh, come full circle. It's, it's definitely been something that's been more common, I think, on the defensive side of the ball. I haven't heard it happen as much on, with the offensive side of the ball, but outside linebackers and defensive ends have been doing that sort of thing for a number of years where one position is just much bigger contracts on the defensive line. Um, so to review and to recap, Armand has Winston signing with Washington, uh, Fitzpatrick signing in Indy, uh, Connor signing in Miami, Robinson Robinson signing in Miami, Chark in Las Vegas, Schultz re-signing in Dallas, and Ingram in Jacksonville. Jordan has Trubisky going to Pittsburgh. Uh, Patterson going to the Jets, uh, Fernetter in Miami, uh, Juju in KC, uh, Christian Kirk in Chicago, and Mike Gesecki playing slot receiver for the Chargers. Bingo. Well, thanks for doing that, Zach. That was, uh, that was well done. I'm gonna have to uh, step up my game here. I think with our uh, <laughs> with some of my showmanship on my family feud or fantasy feud here. I think. <laughs> um, so just with how um, with getting our feet wet here back into the off season trend, and just with doing a, a deeper dive with our free agency stuff here, we are going to surpass the ice cold hot take for this episode, and we are going to start up our ice cold hot take segment on our next episode. Um, so thank you for participating here, obviously, with the free HF. So they, those ones do usually run a little bit longer than usual. Um, but other than that, I think that kind of wraps up our welcome back in here in episode number 42 here, fellas. Any, anything to throw in here before we, uh, before we end this one? I just but, hope that uh, next week or whenever we, we review uh, the free agent signings that are happening next week, that a few of these guys that we – mentioned that we we hit him on the head and we got him right would be nice to look back and see how many we got right how many we got totally wrong yeah the old but, tip the old tip of the cap hey eh? <laughs> i have agree with you zach i hope i got all mine right and jordan just <laughs> dump trucked all over the ground i just i just know i'm not spinning the wheel coming two weeks time again i'm not sitting in mcdonald's that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for listening, everybody, to episode number 42. That'll do it. Uh, on behalf of Zach Arman and myself, thank you for listening to the 306 Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys in two weeks, everybody. Fingers crossed for your home team. Hopefully, you get the free agents you want. Take care, everybody. Talk soon.